Hi, welcome to the Potter's House Church Brisbane's online sermon series. The following sermon is a recorded message from one of our previous church services. For more information about our church, check us out online at pottershousebrisbane.com or follow us on one of our social media channels. Thanks. Let's jump into today's sermon. A lot of talk about New Year and first things and resolutions and etc, etc. When I was really praying though about the change of the year, and it was interesting because I was talking to Pastor Reeves and he was talking about the theme that they have for the year and different people take note of the themes that churches have and that pastors launch and that's probably a very good idea but uh, I don't have one for you because <laughs> my theme is just full bore, straight ahead, let's get the job done. It's kind of my personality but I'm not disagreeing with the theme, it's probably a great idea. However, as I was really thinking and praying about the change of the year from 17 to 18, I felt in prayer specifically the inspiration of turning a corner. And we all know if you're driving or if you're in that age yet, but you're on roller skates or your scooter or whatever, and you're not driving, but those who drive cars, drive trucks, various things, is that we understand the concept of turning a corner. And one of the things about turning a corner or navigating on the road is it's essential that it's done proficiently. And this is why when you're learning to drive, they teach you all of the correct way, the uh, 10 to 2, how to hold the steering wheel and let the steering wheel go through your hands and check the mirrors and all the different things. And remember teaching my children to drive that taught them all you accelerate through the corner. It's a natural tendency to take your foot off. You don't break in the corner. Many of you break in the corner. Now you're bad drivers. You just got a free driving lesson, didn't charge you 50 bucks. You accelerate through the corner. But it's very important that we navigate it proficiently. And I was thinking how in the Christian life, all of us, there are times where we must navigate many different corners as we're living for Jesus. Some of those corners are smooth and gradual. There's some corners in Christianity, they're sharp bends. Some of them are dangerous. Sometimes there are blind corners, but however or whatever the turn is, it matters how we take it. And I want to talk about turning the corner from Hebrews 11 and read verse 1 to verse 3. And uh, believe that God really wants to mobilize us and help us and set us on course as we get into this year now together and begin to see things happen. Hebrews 11, 1 to 3, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Some of you here tonight, you want to get married. Some of you want to have babies. Some of you want to do well in school or university. Some of you want to break some habits. Some of you want to win and get the victory in your mind. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You haven't seen them yet. This is a key verse. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. Now, further on, and we won't look at all of the elders that are referenced to, but basically from verse 4 and onwards, it goes through many personalities of the Bible. For sake of time, I won't do that. But then in verse 3, it says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, 
so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now let's begin together here for a moment. I want to talk to you about around the corner. See, living for God is not a meaningless existence. It has purpose. And I want us to be reminded of this truth because I, like yourself, I'm sure that many times as we're living for God, we can sometimes have these momentary visitations where we kind of wonder, what am I, what am I doing? What's this all about? What's, what's the purpose of this? Why do I go to church again on Wednesday night? Why do I put my tithe in? Why do I sing the songs again? Why, why, why am I doing this? And we ask ourselves sometimes and we can kind of feel like, you know, it's a meaningless existence. But that is not true because living for God has a purpose. See, in his plan for us, he always has new feats waiting around the corner. Which is really, really the, the backdrop on what this particular sermon is all about. You see, tonight, God has around the corner for you in life things that are waiting. And, and not, not, not always bad things. Sometimes we say, well, what's around the corner? You know, it's a scary thing. Is it bad? No, no. Listen, God has wonderful things for us uh, that are around the corner. But like driving, we can't always see around the corner. And that means then that we have to live with anticipation. We have to live with expectation. Because God has something. He, he has not just one thing, but he has, he has many things just around the corner. Now listen to verse 1 again from a different version. It says, Now faith is assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. What a wonderful scripture. How about, think about tonight, a conviction of things not seen. In other words, there are things that are definite. You can't see them, but they're there. They're around the corner. And this is the great thing about being saved. You see, unsaved people live their life with, with no confidence of anything around the corner. That's why they go after things in the world. That's why they want yachts uh, and boats uh, and aeroplanes and extra houses uh, and, and extra standards and levels and, uh, and fancy hotels and, and all the different things that people go for in the world. Why? Because they don't have any expectation or anticipation. In fact, certainly after this life, they have none at all. But when you're saved, it's different. It says because there's a conviction of things not seen. A conviction means a firmly held belief or opinion. It's being convinced of what one believes or says. See, serving God, listen to me carefully tonight, it's a lifetime of new expectations. This is why as you look at 2018, you, you must be optimistic. You must view it with faith and say, you know, I, I might have had a few pockets of meaningless existence where I've kind of felt, what's it all about? <coughs> Please excuse my voice. What's it all about? Where am I going? Why am I involved in this? What's the point anyway? Listen, we all have little spasms of that. But for the most part, I want you to listen carefully tonight. God has wonderful expectations for you. Charles Dickens wrote one of his famous novels and it was actually called Great Expectations. And this was a fiction story, but this was when certainly English novelists would have had a Christian foundation. They would have, uh, uh, life and society was built on Judeo-Christian principles. And when Charles Dickens wrote this novel, it depicted the personal growth and personal development of an orphan named Pip. 
Now, he's a make-believe character, granted. But in this particular book, the theme included wealth, poverty, there was love, there was rejection. But the point of the novel of why that this was so popular and such a well-known novel today was because it was about the eventual triumph of good over evil. That's why it was called Great Expectations. I was thinking, you know, that's exactly who God is. God has great expectations for you. And ultimately, good does triumph over evil. We know that Jesus died on the cross. Uh, Yes, he was dead for three days, but he was resurrected. Uh, Same spirit that raised him up is what lives in you and I. And he has expectations, expectations for us. Uh, And we have to remember that around the corner, he has things waiting. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. But here's the kicker. We have to be willing to turn the corner, to take the corner. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me. This is what God says. And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Now, listen, God doesn't say that to make it difficult. But he says it like this to give us hope. He says it like this to make us optimistic. What he's saying here, he says, listen, round the corner, I've got some good stuff. That's what he's saying. He's saying around the corner, you can't see it, but you have to be willing to take the turn. You have to be willing to follow the road. You have to be willing by faith, not by by sight. In other words, oh, I can see it. Thank you, I'll have some of that. He says, no, no, you're not going to see it. But you're going to have to walk by faith. And as you continue by faith, it's going to come to pass. You see, personal momentum has to be procured by our own drive. See, no one else can manufacture the desire for you and I to take on the turn. And here's the difficulty when you're trying to help people live for God is motivate them. Say, come on, you can do it. It's going to be all right. Come on, you can come to church. It's not that hard. It's an hour and 15 minutes on Wednesday and we'll let you go home again. Please come. Worship God. Be with the Christians. Don't go to the club. Don't go to the casino. We'll be there Wednesday. You can come with us. We do everything to help people live for Jesus. But listen, when it's everything said and done, the desire to take the turn in life has to come from inside of you. See, the Holy Spirit will speak to us. He will inspire us. He will help us. But we have to turn the corner ourselves. Nobody can do that for us. And here is our confidence. God, who calls the universe into existence out of nothing. He declared that it was to be and it was. Verse 3 of our text. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. That means then that the same God is the one who's called us to trust him and to exercise faith in those new endeavors. But we must understand these things are around the corner. We can't see them from this particular vantage point. But in faith, we have to know that they're there and that they're waiting for us. So I want you to think of me about faith for a moment. 
See, the beginning of a whole year of living for God, this brand new year, 2018, well, it's brand new basically on calendars. The Christian life has got to be lived in a perpetual conduct of faith. Verse 1 again, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Now let's make this very practical then. And let's bring this down tonight, really, where, where we live. You see, every topical subject conscripts us to respond or act in faith. Let me illustrate this for you. You are married. God has given a marital blueprint in His Word. Right? Husbands do this, this and this. Wives do thus, thus and this. In faith, you have to do those things. Irrespective of how you feel, no matter how much He annoys you, you have to do it because that's what He says. That's, that's, what, that's what obeying in marriage, that's what acting in faith does when it comes to marriage. Uh, forgiving. We, we have to do, we have to respond in faith. So, well, I don't feel like forgiving them. I know you don't and neither should you. They're, they're nasty. They're terrible people. They don't deserve forgiveness. No, we know that. Neither do we. We don't feel like forgiving, but we're going to do it. Why? Because we're going to respond in faith. Tithing and offerings is another subject. We do this in faith. I'll be honest with you. There's plenty of times when I don't want to pay God his tithe, like monthly. Am I the only person? But I tell you what, I believe what Pastor Harris said is, God bless me, I do it in faith. <laughs> I want the favour. I want him to rebuke the devourer for me. Witnessing, another topical subject. Witnessing, it conscripts us to respond in faith. Listen, there's lots of people you witness to who you're not going to like them. They'll have bad breath, probably got a bad tooth, say nasty things, use bad language, mock your church and your Jesus. But you witness in faith. Praying is another one. Listen, if you're only going to come to prayer when you feel like it, you probably won't pray for most of 2018. But what do you do? It's in faith. You've got to make a decision. I will pray because that's what God says I should do. Why? Because it's, <coughs> excuse me, it's in his word. See, we act first and then expect the outcome we favour. It's like turning the corner on a road. Nobody here, when you drove here tonight in your car, when you were taking the turn, expected there's a big ditch, there's a great big hole 100 feet deep and the car's going to go in there if I take off the motorway. Oh, no, 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 you turned off confidently while you're texting, <laughs> while you're singing your favourite song, while you're giving someone the thumbs up as well because they're pushing into your lane. You, you drove confidently that the road would be there, didn't you? It's exactly the same. See, we have to learn to take God at his word. Now, I said that to say this. See, we must confront the spirit of unbelief. And I, I can't leave this subject alone as we go into this new year together because this spirit has got to be confronted. Now, I know that this is my favourite subject at times, but I want to tell you that in this nation of Australia, you have to strenuously oppose this spirit. Many of you sitting here tonight, you don't realise, but this is your greatest battle of all. It's a spirit of unbelief. And that's because it dogs our country. 
It's amazing. You can get on a plane, fly to another country, land in an African nation, land in an Asian nation, and there's no struggle there with unbelief. People believe there's other demons and things there. But the moment you hit the turf in Australia, let me tell you, this thing comes back on you again like a fog, like a blanket. It's a wicked spirit. You have to strenuously oppose this. And God hates unbelief. The reason why God hates unbelief is because it immobilizes us. It's a thing that makes us break when we hit the corner. Here we are, we're going into the corner spiritually. We know there's something good. There's great expectations waiting around the corner. Yes, we believe that. We're excited. We left church fully charged, full of faith. We're excited. We get to the turn. We get to the corner. Moment of opportunity. Oh, no, 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 no. That is a spirit of unbelief. That's the thing that makes you pause and stop and balk and say, no, 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 I'm not going to go on any further. Do you know that after Jesus was resurrected, he appeared in person? Now follow along with this tonight. First of all, he appeared to Mary Magdalene. And all the women preachers would say, that's why he went to woman first, because they got faith. This was the woman he'd cast out seven demons of before she was born again. He cast them out, she's converted. He appears, he's come back to life, he's resurrected. First of all, he appears to Mary Magdalene. She then went and told those who'd been with him. So in other words, it's like she got on the phone and began to text. Jesus, like he said, he's back, he's alive. We were just talking. It's all good. You know how the stone was open? There was an angel there. He wasn't there. Just the, yeah, it's just like he said, he never lied. No, no, that's the Old Testament. God's not a man lie to us. He's, guys, he's alive. Just had coffee. She tells everybody, he's come back to life again. He then appears to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Remember the two guys that are bummed out, they're depressed? They're like real negative. He's talking to them, it's me, Jesus. Finally shows them, look here, put your hands, feel the hands, it's me, feel that. Jesus, oh, they're all excited against revival. He's appeared to all these different people. They went and told the rest. I'm just telling you what, exactly how the Bible puts it. They told the rest. In other words, now, everyone's got the memo. It's on Viber, it's on text message, it's email, Facebook, Instagram. Everybody knows Jesus is alive and it's not the 1st of April. They're all now excited about this. But do you know that his disciples were still gripped by their doubt and uncertainty? His own disciples, Mark 16, 14. Later, he appeared to the 11. Can you imagine how encouraged he must be? This is the big 11 that he's poured his life into. He's leaving the gospel to go into all the world with these 11 men. One's, one's already, he's kind of disqualified himself. He's dead, he's cactus. There's 11 left and it says, Mark 16, 14. Later, he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. See, this unbelief is a wicked demon. And you have to campaign aggressively against this. It will stop you praying. Some of you here who struggle to come to prayer, I'm going to tell you exactly why that is. It's because of unbelief. That's why you won't pray. That's why you will not make coming to prayer priority. 
It's not because you disagree with the doctrine. It's, it's unbelief. It'll stop you worshipping. That's why some people won't worship. In a song service, they'll just... Lip sing a little bit. I show and afterwards. Just... <laughs> Check. Oh, the text. Hang on. That's hang on. It's grandma. <laughs> you know why? It's it's not because you disagree doctrinally, but it, unbelief's on top of you. So you got to punch through that and say, you know what? I'm going to worship God. I'm going to do this in faith. Giving is another one. This is another reason why people won't give. It's unbelief. They hear all the moving illustrations, they hear the sermons, they've heard the scriptures, uh, they've done the Bible study, new converts, uh, they've done the whole Sunday school series on money. They've heard it all, but still will not and cannot give. Why? Because of a spirit of unbelief. Uh, another one uh, is it will stop you from dreaming. And once upon a time, you're excited about the things of God. You're anticipating what was around the corner. But now you don't even dream like that anymore. So no, 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 that, that's, I think that's for other people. I think I miss God. I think I'm just called to, you know, just, just, you know, just, you know, part time. Just, you know, I'll just, you know, I'll be there. I, I, you know. But you've stopped dreaming. You don't have vision anymore. Why? That's a spirit of unbelief. See, Joseph went through these things. He was in the pit. He was in the prison. His faith was tested. But somehow Joseph made it through. You can follow through later in Hebrews. Have a look tonight at the, uh, at the hall of fame of those who, who are accredited with having faith uh, and responding in faith. Uh, and in verse 6, <coughs> excuse me, of our chapter tonight, it says, but without faith uh, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is uh, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Uh, I don't know about you, but that's one of the scriptures that I pray regularly. And when I pray, it's almost like a, sometimes I think God must think, well, what is wrong with him? He's telling me uh, what I've already told him because it's my word. Uh, but you know what? That's what praying in faith is. It's praying the word of God. And many times when I pray, that's exactly what I pray and say, God, uh, your word says uh, that those who believe that you are and those who diligently seek you, that you will reward them. That's your promise. Because see tonight, you've got to have faith. It might only be a mustard seed of faith, uh, but it's faith uh, that pleases God. Uh, and that is why when it comes uh, to things that wait around the corner, you have to teach yourself to accelerate through a corner. Like I mentioned, teaching my children to drive, I taught all of them. Okay, when you come into the corner, you put your foot down. And it was interesting because all of them, of course, once they got confidence, any opportunity to speed and put their foot down, they did by golly. Say, whoa, well, not that much. You don't need to put it down that much. Say, oh, you said accelerate through the corner, Dad. You say, yeah, yeah, but you're not sideways. Just, right? But listen, if you're going to live for Jesus, you have to learn to accelerate through the corner. That's what faith is. To say, I don't know what's around there, but I'm putting my foot down. I'm not breaking. I'm not balking. I'm not going to stop here. I'm not going to cause everybody else to have an accident, uh, but I'm going to put uh, my foot down. You see, the truth is uh, none of us knows uh, what lies around the corner when we turn it. Hebrews 11.8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place uh, which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. 
Now that is extraordinary. Now listen, Abraham's not just some silly old kind of cattleman and he got a clue and he's oh, okay, let's go, sweetheart. You know, we'll just go anywhere you want. No, no, no. The man had faith in God. And he wasn't exactly sure where the turn was going to take him. But he knew the God who was taking him there. This is why when you're towing a trailer and it starts to fishtail, you know what the natural response is? Is put your foot on the brake, isn't it? But you know what you have to do when a, ta- when a trailer begins to fishtail? You have to learn to do the opposite. You put your foot down. And what it does is it pulls the trailer out of the fishtail and then when it stops fishtailing, then you back off the accelerator and you realise I was going too fast in the first place. See, that's what you have to do living for Jesus. That you have to learn to put your foot down. That's faith. And say, no, no, I'm going to accelerate. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to do what needs to be done. See, if you've been stalling or breaking, it's time to accelerate again. If you stop contending in prayer, it's time to start to pray again. No, no more excuses. Well, I'll just get there seven thirty. I'll just come, you know, six twenty-nine. So, you know, I had stuff to do. Listen, you got to stop doing that and say, you know what? I need to be a praying person. You got to start contending again, winning souls. When's the last time that you really put yourself on the line and witnessed and told someone about Jesus and didn't and, and didn't care? You, you'd shun the embarrassment. You know, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. They need to hear about Jesus. Coming to prayer in the morning, serving, helping, the list is endless. But if you've started justifying your compromise, I want you to listen tonight, you could be gripped by unbelief. The chances are that why there's that compromise is because you don't believe God like you were before. And that's not because you're a bad person, but it's because this is such a powerful stronghold, it's a demonic hold over this nation. Verse 1 in another translation says, Trusting is being confident of what we hope for, convinced about things we do not see. So let me finish quickly tonight because I want to talk to you about decisions. What I've said so far is I said to say this. It's decision time. And decision is resolve. See, decisions determine our eventual destiny or our destination. And I want to be very real with you tonight because many, many times we defer to looking to other people for our reason to succeed or fail. But I want to clear the table of all of that tonight because it's not true in life. See, in life, it's the decisions that I make that ultimately, for the most part, determine the outcome. And it's a bad mistake when we look to other people because our life is ultimately the sum total of our decisions. I read a very interesting news article this week about the amount of road deaths that has happened again this year in Australia, which I'd like to hear an admission now from the police as well that every K over is not a killer. But listen to what the New South Wales Deputy Police Commissioner says these recent road deaths, she says, it is poor decisions that are killing people on our roads and it's not just the person making decisions that are dying, they are often taking innocent people with them. I thought to myself, you're right, sweetheart, that's true. 
It's poor decisions. And that's why when you see these vents, every K over is a killer. Not true. It's bad driving. In other words, bad decisions. Like she says, poor decisions. Listen tonight, your decisions have an effect on other people. And taking the turns of life that lead to destiny is our own responsibility. See, for the most part, our standing in life comes down to our choices. As you're going to go through 2018, you have to settle this. Is Don't live this year looking at other people for a reason to either succeed or to fail. But you have to take responsibility of your own decisions. And say, so what I decide is going to have bearing on the outcome. Here's King David. King David who had such an illustrious history in his walk with God. We, we revere David. We, we can only be inspired by this man's life, the relationship that he had with God. And yet it's interesting that he makes one significantly wrong decision that had incredible outcome. But listen to 1 Samuel 11.1. 1. It says, It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. David made a poor decision. See, what that scripture is saying is that what David should have been doing was going out to war like kings do. But he didn't do that. He made a bad decision. Stayed home. And that particular time that he stayed home, he just happened to, unfortunately, glance out and spot gorgeous, naked, taking a bath. Maybe there was candlelight. Not exactly sure age, but she must have had a fairly appealing figure. The light was obviously silhouetted behind her. David knew at that point, I should look away. I'm a married man. I'll just look one more time. Somehow that must have led to other baths on the balcony that he watched and eventually one thing led to another. He begins to make contact with a lady. She's a married woman. He commits adultery with her. He has her husband killed. It goes on and on and on. I mean, it's just one thing after another. But all of it traces back to what? It was a poor decision. His own decision. Because when kings went out to do war, he remained at Jerusalem. You see, husbands, fathers, mothers and disciples, your decisions are affecting many other people. If you're married here, I want you to listen to me. If you're a husband here, if I can be frank, you need to pull your finger out and be the spiritual bishop of your home. You need to be the man. Because she's going to be affected by you, what you do and you don't do. If you're a parent... Your, your, your decision, you're a wife, your decisions affect other people. Don't, don't make that poor decision like David who remained at Jerusalem. If you're a disciple, you know, you, you're a serious disciple, what are they, you know, the serious disciples. Listen, your decisions affect many other people. 
And this is, this, is the, this is the tragedy, is that in the walk of faith, in the walk that God has for you, in turning the corners of life, uh, when there are great expectations, there are things uh, waiting around the corner, your decisions has bearing uh, upon other people. David's decision, it had far-reaching effect on people. It, it touched, in fact, in the end, the entire nation uh, 12 months down the road. Uh, it's a tragedy. Eventually, the baby's born uh, to this woman. Uh, the baby dies. There's a curse on the child's life. Uh, it goes on and on and on. Why? Because this man made a poor decision. That is why, listen to me, brother, you must make decisions by faith. Deal with that unbelief and say, it matters what I do. Because it's going to have effect on other people. Our Sunday school scripture, Ephesians 5.15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Another translation says, pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. Now listen to my favorite, the Phillips translation. It says, live life then with a due sense of responsibility not as men who do not know the meaning and purpose of life, but as those who do. Make the best use of your time, despite all the difficulties of these days. Don't be vague, but firmly grasp what you know to be the will of God. You see, a decision is a conclusion or resolution reached after consideration. In other words, you weigh up the factors, you look at it, you say, you know, there's this and there's that, there's that to consider. Now I'm going to consciously, I'm going to make a quality decision. I'm going to make a good decision. And I'm going to make my decision in faith because I want to experience the great expectations that the things that I turn the corner as I'm living this life is that I want the, I want the good stuff. I want the great expectations. I want the blessing. And I'm going to do what needs to be done. And I want to say to our congregation, it's time again for at the time when kings go out to do battle. Listen, holidays are done, New Year's finished, Christmas is over, Boxing Day sales are done with, uh, European holidays, uh, Fiji Island holidays, the South Pacific, the North Pacific, the North Pole, the South Pole, uh, Granny's been, Granny's gone, Auntie's come, Auntie's gone, presents are unwrapped, kids have broken them, uh, half of them are gone in the bin, you put it in the cupboard, you didn't want it anyway, you put on 20 kilos, too much cake, too much ham. Listen, it's time, it's time. When kings go out to do war, to get serious about turning the corners of life and going on with what Jesus has. See, church, good intentions won't compensate for bad decisions. And you have to turn the corner yourself. It's not enough to just be well-intended. You have to say, no, you know what? I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what needs to be done. I'm going to make myself some good decisions. Because God's got wonderful things waiting for me. Remember that God created the entire universe by His Word. His Word is awesome power. And we must take Him at His Word and turn the corner. Thank you so much for joining us for today's sermon. We pray that God spoke to you. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to join us for our next episode. Can't wait until then? Check us out online at pottershousebrisbane.com to see what other content we have. Or better yet, if you live in the local Brisbane area, have a look at our service times and see when perhaps you can visit us in person. We'd love to have you come to our church. Thank you again for taking the time to join us today. We'll see you next time.